Welcome to Conversations with Soul, a podcast with the intention to bring you back home to yourself. These Heart to Hearts are hosted by Miri and Liz, the co-owners of Soul Cleanse, a holistic health offering specializing in organic juice and whole food cleanse programs, plus so much more. With our guests, we will be diving into conversations about holistic health, spirituality, emotions, relationships, sustainability, plus other juicy topics that light us up. Welcome to Conversations with Soul. It's Mary here with you today, and I'm so excited to be launching this podcast, having a conversation with someone that's very special to me, Nairi Jones. We have an important conversation here today about holistic pelvic care, which is really important for all women, but especially mothers. It's just not something that generally gets enough light shone on it, so I'm so pleased to have Nairi, who's a real specialist in the area, here to share her wisdom with us. Nairi's an integrative nutrition and movement therapist specializing in holistic pelvic care for mamas using a whole-person, multi-system approach. She has almost 20 years in the health, wellness, and fitness industries as a personal trainer, exercise physiologist, clinical Pilates teacher and nutritionist and what I really love about Nairi is that she really approaches this from a really evidence-based science approach as well as weaving in lots of her beautiful spirituality and personal insights. She's also a busy mama to a five-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy so understands the challenges of the maiden to mother journey intimately. Nairi is passionate about supporting mamas to connect to their bodies and to their innate power and it's her belief that when we heal the mothers, we heal the earth. In this conversation, we discuss what is holistic pelvic care and what does it cover? This might surprise you. The importance of postnatal care and supporting the new mother. We normalize the conversation around incontinence and happily provide some solutions. We discuss how important it is to really drop into your body and feel safe in your nervous system. We discuss pain management. I found this super insightful. Spoiler alert, it's not just about what's going on in your body. Nairi gives us some great tips on including more movement in our days, even for busy mums, and ways to bring in pleasure, plus much more. Prepare to be informed and inspired like I was. Okay, hi Nairi. Welcome to Conversations with Soul. We're so pleased to have you here, especially for me. Obviously, it's such a honor to be able to interview one of my oldest and dearest friends um, who's a wealth of knowledge and on a really exciting topic and a topic that lots of people don't talk about even though they probably should um, particularly for mums with postnatal care and Naira is a real specialist in this area and it's also a real passion of hers so I'm sure we're going to get some really amazing nuggets of gold out of this conversation so just to get started before we dive into all the juicy stuff I'm going to ask you our question that we want to ask all our guests and that is what do you do regularly to come home to yourself ah well thank you for having me coming home to myself for me is just all about tapping into my body so anything embodied sometimes it'll just be putting on some essential oils it'll be literally lying on my mat and just breathing or with a ball doing some stretches anything that's just taking me out of my head and into my body mm. um, but move movement really is my absolute medicine which is probably why I teach it yeah I was going to say that's probably a good clue as to why you've ended up in the area 
that you've ended up in. Um, yeah. And I guess that leads me to the next question that I'd really love if you could share. Well, first of all, let's talk about um, really briefly your area of expertise now. We can get into that more as the show goes on, but just to give people a really brief overview of the work that you're doing at the moment and then if you could share the story of the journey that led you there because I know there's lots of really interesting aspects to it. Yeah, beautiful. So just really recently I have landed in the space of um, holistic pelvic care and I honestly just feel home. Like I feel like I've mm. just found this place where I, I am meant to be so holistic pelvic care basically means that I support women with issues going on in the, the pelvic bowl, womb space region of the body. But I work with it from what I call a whole person, multi-system approach, which basically means I, so the biomedical model is very reductionistic. So it looks, it, it narrows right down into where the problems are. I sort of do the opposite. I zoom right out with the body. The whole person means we look at not only what's going on in your pelvis and your pelvic floor and your digestion and everything, but we look at you as a whole person and what things in your lifestyle, even things down to like your thoughts and beliefs and perceptions can have all be impacting what's going on in that, in that space. And then the multi-system approach, again, is not just looking at the musculoskeletal side, but, you know, we've got the reproductive organs, we've got the digestive system, we've got the hormonal system, the endocrine, we've got all these other aspects, the respiratory system, that all play a role in our pelvic health. And when we just look at one thing, when we just look at, say, pelvic floor, we're kind of missing a huge mm. piece of the puzzle, which is why I believe so many women are stuck with issues in this area. Mm. And so my so my role really is in, um, as an exercise physiologist is to work with you in a, in a way that helps you, I guess, from about sort of six weeks postnatal, you know, once you sort of start that, that healing uh, after having a baby, but helping you return to a movement practice that's going to work for you and your body. So right down to rehabilitation through prolapse, abdominal separation, leaking, and a lot of pain. I work in a lot of pelvic back pain because that's been mm. my journey. Yeah. So, so before we get any deeper into the work that you do, maybe we could rewind and you could share with everyone the path that has led you to this place. And, you know, obviously I've witnessed a lot of your journey and I'm just so thrilled to see you in this place that's such a perfect fit for all the little bits and pieces, you know, that you embody so beautifully. Cool. I would love to share it because, you know, I do believe everything that happens to you in your life is a part of your journey and takes you where you're meant to be so um oh man my pelvic region um has been I guess the part of my body that's suffered the most trauma through my life um when I was at high school I had several different surgeries I had a ruptured appendix I was in a really bad car accident and I've got a scar about 30 centimeters long down the center of my belly I had a split in my intestine so I had my literally had my whole bowel 
taken out, put on my chest. They had to find the, st- um, the split, stitch it up, and then put that all back in. So major trauma, right, to that to that pelvic area. Mm. And then, you know, entering into, you know, young adulthood and sexuality and partners. And, you know, that was a, 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 a place that I just went a bit wild and I guess on some level that was also traumatic you know having Mm. sexual experiences that maybe if I wasn't drunk or high I might not have had Mm. Um, so and I'm I'm putting this all out there because it's context right it's that place that um that create that picture of your pelvic Mm. health I think it's Um, also good to for to put little flags in experiences like this that people might think oh my goodness I hadn't even thought about how that might have contributed to some of these issues and seems like a mild you know you might not want to call it trauma even but when you actually acknowledge it as that then all of a sudden you know it might um give you some answers I suppose to some deeper issues yeah and trauma is such a scale right Mm. even going and to get a pap smear Totally. You know, the, 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 the tissue of the cervix is so sensitive and, you know, the relationship you have with the doctor and like, mm. there's so many components that can that can potentially make that traumatic. So, but, yeah, no, you're right. It's really important to, to have these, as you call them, flags. Mm. You know, because when I work with someone privately, that's what I look for. I'm looking for flags that could be potentially mm. affecting your nervous system especially. So sexual trauma can be one. And then, yeah, I, I suffered uh, chronic low back pain for about 13 years of my life. From It started from a snowboarding injury and just I couldn't resolve it. Pilates was the only thing that did actually get me some relief and that's why I went down the field of Pilates mm. and studied as much as I could and became a clinical Pilates teacher because I just believed in it because it worked for me. But it never truly went away. The pain never truly went away. And then I also, when I was in my mid-20s, I had an experience where I was out running and I'd get these major, like, intense pain in my pelvis. It would, it was so intense it would make me stop and keel over and I decided I'd better go and get it checked out and discovered I had a dermoid cyst the size of an orange on my left ovary. And at the time, actually I was 28, I remember at the time, and I was single and I went to I went to see my GP who sent me off to see a specialist. And this doctor, I remember this day I walked into this doctor's surgery and I'm sure other women listening can um, relate to experiences like this. But he was this old, white, insensitive man. And he basically spoke about my ovaries like they were just a... a, a a body part like my arm you know mm. and he said oh you've got this you know you've got the cyst we're going to have to remove remove it it's a really tricky surgery we're probably just going to have to take out your whole ovary and I just walked out of that doctor's I just said no I want to think about it mm. um I walked out of that doctor's surgery in tears rang my mom I was just like oh my gosh you know and my whole fertile future kind of flashed in front of me. Mm. And at that stage, I didn't really understand that you can still conceive off just one ovary, but I didn't really know a lot about that at that stage of my life. So, you know, all of that stuff, big emotions came up. I'm still single, you know, am I going to be able to have a family? 
so very much catastrophizing everything. Mm. But you know what? I always say that everything happens for you, not to you. And that sift, I called him Dermy. <laughs> I'm grateful for, for that because that was the catalyst for me into the work that I'm doing now. Mm. And it got me, sent me down this whole path of, you know, going to see naturopaths and looking into alternate healing. I went off to Bali and did this really intense um, like yoga detox retreat. And it was actually at that retreat I had a sign from the universe that I was on the right track because I used to have this ganglion cyst in my hand and I used to play with it all the time. It was like this big lump and I hated it. I'd been to the doctors. They told me I just had to have steroid injections to get rid of it. And anyway, by the, I think it was the last day of the retreat and I was sitting there after the yoga class and I went to like play with it and it was gone. It was mm. totally gone. And it was just like, for me at that time, I'm like, it's a cyst, right? I was like, okay, this is, there's something to this. And so I went mm. home and that's when I really just, yeah, I, I changed my whole life from even the people I was hanging out with and I, I was a party girl I was you know a big party girl I loved it and you know I just I just had to change things and I'm so grateful because it's I guess it's led me to where I am now mm. so, yeah yeah and also I just just to give some context as well to um your education you know that you are you started off with the university education that led you to be a exercise physiologist and I love you know in the area that you're working in there's a lot of people that are very, very medical and a lot of people that are very, very, um, let's say, woo-woo working in the womb space. And I love that you can marry the two. You know, you've got such a depth of like the more spiritual sort of context and energetic sort of context for the pelvic space. But then also, I don't know, I feel like there's this real level of of trust working with you because you've got such a depth of understanding from a scientific and also with the clinical Pilates, like a very, very robust, safe understanding. And, you know, for me, having had a child and, you know, we've talked about this, but feeling uh, after having a baby, I felt really, I, I think fragile was the right word in my, in my body, feeling like if I did any exercise that was too careless or, too intense then I feel like I would hurt myself or you know cause myself harm um so I've always been scared of going to like a boot camp or something where they're just you know pushing you to do 20 squats or or you know 20 push-ups and not really giving it the full care of how you know slow maybe or how subtly you have to move your body to strengthen it gently yeah yeah that's huge and and it's it's funny you say that because I, I feel like there's a real gap, you know, in our post and taking care of mothers in that in that regard. You know, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of boot camps. There's a lot of Pilates classes. But in terms of like the medical care, you know, when you birth a baby, you know, the wound you have on the inside mm. of your uterus, like if that was on the outside of the body. Mm-hmm people would be like you need to rest you need yeah. to lie down like that's you know you've, you we need to take care of you but because it's so internal and you think about the nine months of carrying a child and just the enormous amount of changes that the body goes through you know I remember when I was birthing my daughter um, I'd had a natural water birth with her and I 
remember feeling the bones of my pelvis mm. shift as she was coming down into the birthing canal. I like I felt it happen and I was like, wow, you know. And women, you know, wonder why their hips are wider and things change and but yeah, we go through these these such enormous changes and then we go home and then it's very baby centered. You know, it's not so yeah. in terms of the care, it's very baby centered. I have clients who say they've been to their six week checkup with their doctor. A lot of my clients have never seen a pelvic health physiotherapist, mm. and even some that have, have have had really terrible experiences as well. Um, not saying that all pelvic health therapists, I, I recommend seeing a pelvic mm. health therapist. I think it's really important to do that. But you need to find someone that's really supportive as well. But yeah, that six week checkup, often women are then just kind of left on their own. And really, we need a good year. You know, it's a, it's really a year that you need for proper rehabilitation and mm. getting that groundwork, that foundational level good before we really step up into more high intensity exercise. I feel like there's a real lack of education around that because even for me, being pretty deep in the holistic, you know, health world, I didn't really know who to reach out to, you know, eight, eight, seven, eight years ago when I had my daughter. Hopefully there's, I mean, maybe there's more now. I feel like I'm I'm aware of more, but I feel like there's definitely, yeah, a lack of education that there are even people out there that can help in that way, you know, in that really technical, supportive way. Because I feel like, yeah, you, you think like, oh, what do I didn't have to go to a doctor or should should I go to a yoga class? But neither of those are really lit that um, deeper level of care. And I suppose there's also a bit of maybe shame involved thinking, you know, if you go to yeah. someone, are they going to be, you know, poking around in your bits? And, and also, also with the whole incontinence thing, you know, people don't really talk about it. And it's, such a massive issue for so so many women and you know I'd find myself having these conversations and and sort of bringing up these slightly taboo topics around what I was going through and everyone would always be like oh yeah me too and I was like one one of you why don't you say that why you know everyone's sitting there suffering silently and and not really knowing what direction to head in so I really love how you know you're really bringing and I'm sure, you know, other people too, but obviously I'm most familiar with what you're doing, but really shining the light and normalising women's experiences and then almost also giving them the the hope and the guidance that there's ways to work with it. Yeah. Yes. And, oh, my gosh, there's just there's so much we can flesh out from what you just said. The the shame piece, mm. I, if, you, if it's okay, I'd love to just, just land there for a little bit yeah. because I feel like, with the work that I do, that that is something that I really do spend a bit of time on because it's it when it comes to healing our pelvic space, our womb space, when you think about it, it's the most sacred part of our body, yeah. right? And then for a lot of us, you know, the only time that we've really had it exposed is in a doctor going in a clinical white lap, white coat kind of mm. experience for a pap smear and then you give birth and then all of a sudden it's like everything's like 
open and there, you're, you're naked, you're birthing. And so if you haven't, if, if women haven't done any sort of work on themselves and really realize just how sacred mm. and powerful that area of the body is, when you go and have a woman's health checkup and go and have a pap smear, you know, your whole nervous system just freezes and mm. clenches and tightens. And one of the, so one of the things I work with is in that nervous system safety mm-hmm. with women. And sometimes that means not even going anywhere near the pelvis to start with. Even if there's, you know, especially if there's been trauma, going straight down there literally makes everything in your body brace and tighten. Mm. And when we think about the pelvis and the womb space, to properly heal that part of the body, we don't want tightness and bracing. We want flow. We want we want lymphatic flow, blood flow, energetic flow. You know, you think about where that is situated in your body. It's literally the epicenter of you. It's where everything needs to flow through. And and you know, one common thing that uh, pretty much every single one of my incontinence clients um, say they do is. Uh, subconsciously suck the tummy in mm. I'm sure for anyone listening you know just right now you know a lot of people just sitting will, will be sucking their tummy in and it's that kind of stems into all that shame mm. um, cultural sociological societal you know pressures that we have around body image and stuff but yeah it's that nervous system safety first that needs to be addressed mm. because if you don't have that you've got this whole it's like the iceberg image you know with the iceberg on top and the, what's underneath if you don't address that you're not necessarily going to be able to change the symptoms and yeah and, and then giving the body the capacity for healing by you know teaching the muscles how to relax teaching your nervous system how to be and sending those safety messages to the brain rather than danger messages which is what a lot of us have when it comes to our, our, pal- our pelvis and wound space. Mm, and even, you know, talking about trauma, I feel like most people that give birth, there is a version of trauma to that, even if it's just, I guess, because we're so private with our birthing in, in our society these days, you know, like in the past when people would witness other people birthing before they birth themselves, it's, it's quite a shock. Well, I was shocked from my my birth and it yeah afterwards and and you know there's all sorts of different ways that births can go you know and there's there's the trauma of if you have to have an emergency c-section and there's just the trauma of the intense pain and there must be so much to uncover in your work around that oh yeah yeah and you know there's I mean there's oh yeah there's so much there and and there's women who um, a lot of doulas and midwives you know work in that space and actually you know hold space for women to share their birthing Mm. stories Um, because sometimes just sharing the stories and listening to other women's stories can be really healing for for moving past birth trauma I guess with the way I try and work with women is that it's not so much about you know having to having to tell your story I mean that's 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 available and that's there. Mm. But often it's it's in the body, you know, and that's when I really, I teach you to drop in, drop mm-hmm. into the body. We use music. I use drop-in practices. 
And so it's not necessarily about having to like use sort of talk therapy and go through everything that happened again because sometimes that can almost re-traumatise you. It's more about feeling safe in your body and what that feels like. And so using different breath technique, breath work techniques, you know, you can you can do that. You can create that feeling of safety mm. without having to know what the actual trigger or thing was that's that's causing you yeah. to feel unsafe. Maybe you could share it also just a little bit more about the work you do, you know, talking about helping people get into their bodies, what other kind of modalities or or things do you do when you're working with women? Um, I do a lot of work in the nutrition space as well. Mm -hmm. So I believe that food is a huge component to our overall health. And I guess the work with the women women that I love to do is is also supporting women with that postnatal depletion picture. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is still really just not known in the medical community mm. about there is some early research being done in that f- field and I think in the future it will become a field of its own you may have heard the term matrices yeah and this is that transition from maiden to mother so in that transition there's obviously all the nutritional depletion components so um, supporting women in that space um, most of my mums just don't eat enough to be honest mm. that's the, the biggest issue but then there's also all that emotional support that you need in that transition as well. And um, so that's something else I really love is that bringing in that kind of psychosocial mm. side to to healthcare rather than just that biomedical, mm. you know, what's going on on the physical. Yeah, that's definitely a massive journey around who, who am I now as a mother and, and recreating yeah. that um, sense of self. And I, I remember having a bit of a, crisis around how I should dress because mm. I used to wear just sort of like surfy kind of clothes and short short skirts and t-shirts and I was like I don't I don't know if I can still wear this if it's appropriate now I'm a mum so now I'm old <laughs> yeah yeah everything and changes it, and yeah. no one tells you that that's going to happen yeah and it took it took years to rediscover you know if we're talking about our, you know our dress as exp- an expression of ourselves it's taken me years to sort of find my feet with who I am mm. again. Um, and what about with, because obviously, you know, we've got such a strong background in movement with Pilates and, and that kind of movement. I'm assuming that, that that's a part of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So basically the way I work with women, I, I work in um, small groups and also in like one-on-ones. And so I... The, the pillars, I call them the pillars of what I do. Um, so say you're in a class with me, I um, initially start off with the most basic of movements and that's getting your diaphragm moving. Mm-hmm. So teaching women about how to breathe properly. Sometimes that can even resolve incontinence, and interestingly enough, because your pelvic diaphragm and so pelvic diaphragm is your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. I don't like calling it pelvic floor because that kind of, gives you this impression that it's this hard immovable space but really it's like a hammock and it moves every time you breathe your pelvic floor moves and so it's a it's a collection of muscles it's not just one it's a collection of muscles and so it's kind of I educate the woman around well this is your most foundational movement that we do as humans right let's start there Mm. and then that also ties into that whole nervous system safety I spoke about 
And then from there, we go, I mean, we do all sorts of things. We go into, you know, the hips mm-hmm. and, you know, working through the hips. And I, I like to dive into some of the emotional energetic side of that as well and what that what the hips kind of represent in the body. Um, we talk about posture. We do basic kind of level Pilates right through up to strength and conditioning using weights and dumbbells. So it's quite the range of of what I do. But basically, I I like to think about taking women on a journey from just firstly connecting with yourself because most of us are just completely disconnected. We don't even notice our breath. We don't even notice that we're sucking in our tummy. So connecting and starting with exercises, lying on the floor, exercises that are safe, allowing the body to feel safe, and then slowly starting to progress the body into more functional stuff. I mean, we look, think about a mum, we think about how much lifting mm. and physical, like it, it's, it's one of the most physically challenging totally. times of a woman's life, you know, especially if you typically are sedentary or you typically work in an office, you know, you go through nine months of pregnancy, you give birth and then, you know, you, you're launched into this postnatal stage where you're on your feet all day, you're lifting heavy prams, heavy capsules, heavy nappy bags, babies, you're twisting to get in and mm. out of the car seat, you're sitting in these awkward positions, carrying children, you know, especially once you have multiple and you've got a baby and you're carrying a toddler. And you and you're just, your, be- your beach things and your groceries and their nappy bags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. And then you go to a Pilates class and the women are given these little one kilo dumbbells. Right. And treated like they shouldn't be lifting anything. And so that's a big part of what I do as well is the, I guess, teaching fearless movement, safe movement, mm. but taking women from this real base level of one kilo dumbbells and doing a couple of, you know, a couple of squats or a couple of clams lying on the floor to going, okay, well, you're lifting a, like a 20 kilo kid all the time. Right. Um, let's get you strong enough to deal with that and the other thing that I do a lot of is and I just am so passionate about is chronic pain Mm. because chronic pain is really rife in the motherhood community for some women it can be neck pain back pain wrist pain and so basically pain is something again that the biomedical approach health it doesn't work it's you know think of phantom limb pain Mm. someone's got pain in their foot the foot's not actually there we know that it's not an issue in the tissue it's it's something that's happening from a at a brain level so um i'm just fascinated with this and i feel i guess my deepest deepest drive to do this work Mm. is that i believe that mothers have the capacity to change and heal the world and so if mothers are depleted and in pain and, you know, have, have all of these dysfunctions, you know, pelvic floor that make you not want to go out and make you not want to do anything, you know, you just, then that, that won't happen. And so healing and resolving chronic pain, persistent pain can be such a life changing thing for a, a woman and a mother. So that is another area that I think definitely needs, yeah, more more focus because it's so common. One in four Australians. It's more as you get older, so over sort of 40, 45, that's when the persistent pain mm. really starts to kick in. 
but you know the biomedical model is just really focusing on using drugs and surgery mm. and and that really that really comes into that pelvic the pelvic pain as well so endometriosis fibroids all these other ovarian cysts you know that can cause that pelvic pain it's something i had that you know that's what we do we we just cut it out do do you think that some of the pain you know talking about mothers having chronic pain do you feel like some of that chronic pain is almost not even experienced? Like for me, for example, I feel like I have often pain in my body, but I'm just kind of used to it. And there's other things that require my attention. So I kind of ignore it and soldier on, so to speak. You know, when I hear my partner speaking about, oh, I've got a sore back, you know, he's really conscious of it and he does things about it, whereas I feel like I just put up with a lot of my issues because I don't really feel like I have time to stop and address them. Do you think that that would be um, common across, especially in mothers? Absolutely. And, you know, I think, I mean, pain is such an individual experience and it's different for everyone. But mm. the way it works is that, you know, you're, if, if you think that there's other things that are more important in your life at that moment, which typically we're caring for our children and they are kind of pr- priority to our central nervous system, then we will. We're, it'll turn that pain volume down. Like think of pain like a radio volume in the car, you know, and the way that it works is that when you have more danger messages coming from your body or from your surroundings your environment your thoughts and beliefs your pain will go up and then if you have more safety messages the pain will go down Mm. and so with mothers I think we have we're so busy worried worrying about our children and everything else going on that we 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 do almost get this have this capacity of just soldiering on like you said and Mm. I think it's the same with postnatal depletion and exhaustion and chronic stress you know we just ignore 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 it but then what we see down the track and this is I think that over 45 it's like once the children grow up and once we start to hit that perimenopause menopause stage our hormones start to change then that's when it can really hit women and impact them and it becomes more center I guess of yeah. their of their life so I feel like it can be just sort of a background thing that does just deplete your energy levels and maybe depletes your enthusiasm for changing the world, as you say. Yeah. And it just and probably depletes your ability to even enjoy your children and to play with them and and be really, you know, adventurous and, and fun with your children as well. Absolutely. It's part I mean pain. Pain, all pain is, is a protector, you know. Mm. All it's there to do is to protect you. And so in some ways it's a gift because without pain, we wouldn't live for very long because we wouldn't have any of that feedback. But the cool thing about pain is that just like, if you think about, you know, learning a new skill like playing the piano Mm. or learning a new language or learning a new topic, you start to create those strong connections into the into the brain, right? Those mm. connections become stronger and bigger. So just like you can practice and learn a new skill, you can also practice and learn pain. And so pain is something that can not only be learned, but it can also be unlearned. And so this is why the the medical model of 
drugs and surgery doesn't really work because we don't address and look at that that I guess that sort of bio that biopsychosocial mm. uh, what's going on and your your thoughts and beliefs about your life and how they can actually impact and feed into that pain yeah that's so interesting and just wondering what um what other kind of problems do you see in this space we've touched on incontinence and pain a little bit around um really wanting to rebuild and strengthen the body are there any other particular areas that people come to you with issues in this area um, I see quite a lot of prolapse mm-hmm. as well, and that's a massive one for women. Um, feeling like your vagina's falling out is <laughs> not, not, not awesome. a awesome thing to experience. <laughs> and it's, um, again, it's it's embarrassing and it's something that mm. women don't want to talk about and it can significantly impact your life, you know, not, not wanting to play with your kids, not wanting to, um, you know, go surfing or ride a bike or even just walk on the beach, you know, all these things can be really impacted. So I do quite a bit of work in that area. The other thing as well that I sort of believe almost sits below all of this Mm. is the whole like motivation and accountability and actually wanting to make changes to your life because, you know, it's not necessarily due to lack of knowledge around it can be especially if you've got injuries and you need that rehabilitation component but if we're all a little bit honest with ourselves you know we know that we need to eat more vegetables and we need to Mm. drink water and we need to drink less wine and you know maybe go walking more frequently so I, I really love to I guess dive into the mindset of my clients a bit more and work on that space because my intention when whenever I'm working with someone is obviously I want them to become the best version of themselves and let that shine through and I want them to make the changes and resolve some symptoms but I, I don't want it to just happen by the end of the, the five weeks that we're working together I want them to have that same motivation and drive a year later or mm. you know they're still having those symptoms resolved a year later because anyone can change their, their life in a month yeah. or 30 day 60 day 90 day program but it's that long-term behavior change that I I am really focused on with Mm. my clients because it's just powerful stuff and behavior change is hard we get especially once we you know I think once you sort of get towards that mid middle age you know over 30 35 you really get stuck in your ways and it's hard to change behavior Mm. and we we start to pick up a lot of bad behaviors I don't even like the word bad, but behaviours that maybe aren't serving us as mums. And, you know, some of the ones, like I'll just speak honestly about my experience. You know, I think when my boy was born and he was around one and COVID kicked in and I I was having, I was pouring a gin at midday, you know, (laughs) and it was like, oh, this is good. (laughs) And, but then it became a a habit because I wasn't working. I was at home with the kids. I was in lockdown, you know, I was probably quite emotional and stressed and all those things that mm. we talked about. But it's just about checking in. And I know like even like the alcohol thing, a lot of mums, the wine, you know, we, it's been it's joked about a lot. Mm. But just checking in with that as well. Um, I was, a, I was easy. a chocolate in the afternoon kind of a person. That's my habit that I get into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so yeah, habit change and behavior change is a, is a big component. I loved a post you did recently around um, fitting in exercise into your day. You know, the, the most common thing for mothers is I don't have time. So figuring out how to make time, I suppose, you did quite a fun post on all the different ways that you could creep exercise into your day. Yeah, definitely. Because that's, yeah, that is the most common one. Mm. I, don't, I don't have time. So I talk a lot about movement snacks. Yeah. For my clients and teaching them that really movement. I don't even use the word exercise. This mm. comes back to that kind of psychology piece because I think exercise can be similar to the word homework. It feels like something that we we should do, and it, and it's something that we have that takes us out of our life rather than something that's a part of our life. So yeah, it's just about yeah. asking yourself and or reframing really, like how can I move more in my day? You know, can I keep my plants at the top of my cupboard so I have to climb up on my shelf? Can I every time I um, pick up the toys, can I squat down when I'm pushing my kid on the swing? Can I? do a squat every time I push them mm-hmm. that um, was my little technique yeah yeah and it, and and if we're honest with ourselves I mean there's so much time in our day that I, I say is just dead time wasted time that we're scrolling that we're watching Netflix so the other thing I think as mums is a really important thing to understand is that you don't need a huge chunk of time to get results if you do 10 minutes of really uh, tailored, targeted exercises that are mm. specific for what you need, 10 minutes a day will honestly is all you need to get the results to resolve those problems. For mums struggling with postnatal anxiety uh, and depression, so that's another one I see a lot of, 150 minutes a week has been shown like in so many research papers that they, it has the same results as taking an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety wow. medication but with a fraction of the side effects. So we say 150 minutes of exercise or of other? 150 minutes of moderate, yeah, of moderate intensity exercise, which basically means that you can, you could talk but you couldn't sing. So your heart rate's elevated just a little bit. So this can be walking. So it's, it's about, I think it's about 20 minutes a day. Um, mm. And, you know, you can easily get that in. Like you just park your car a little bit further away from work or um, use the time when you're at the park with the kids, you know, use that as a time to do a little, set up a little circuit with the kids or play with them. Yeah. It's funny what, what you were saying of exercise being a word that sort of feels separate to our life. It is, I've definitely thought about that before, you know, around even people going to work and then going to the gym to ride a bike that's not going anywhere you know that we we're not riding a bike to work or walking to work or you know thinking about our days in the past where you, your day would include movement so the thought of having to then go drive to a separate place to exercise just seems yeah. completely ludicrous yeah the result of our of our society isn't it mm. and how sedentary we've become and it's not like I like to talk about, I got this from a woman, um, her name's Katie Bowman, and she's a biomechanist in the US, and she talks about nutritious movement. Mm. And, you know, you think about walking on a treadmill and what's going on in the brain. You know, when you're walking, things should be moving past us. Yeah. But when you're on a 
bike or on a treadmill, you're stationary. So you're missing a huge component of what it, what your central nervous system actually needs from that walking. Plus, you know, you think about going for a walk on the beach or in the bush or even just at a park, you know, doing some uh, running up and down the grass. You know, you've got all these other benefits of the outdoors, of nature mm. for your mood and your emotions, of vitamin D, like all these other benefits that you won't get from a gym. But at the same time, I think as mums, you've just got to do what you can do. And I love the gym because there's a crash. Right. So I can put the kids in and I can go and do my thing. And that works for me. So got to find what works for you, you know. And I tried going to mums and buds classes and things with and I just, it just didn't work for me. I mm. couldn't, I couldn't drop into my body when I had my baby right there crying. Yeah. Like I, it just didn't, didn't work for me. And when you don't have grandparents around, you, you know, a crash at the gym, if that's the only way you can get your movement in, well, you, if you're still going to get health benefits from it. I guess it's just that piece of having to put down the perfection sometimes as a mother, you know, your idealistic yoga meditation session all by yourself might actually look like stopping and hugging your child and putting them back down again yeah. and being interrupted and and being okay yeah. with that and I guess not looking to all you know Instagram I suppose or all those other places that make everybody else look like they're achieving this perfect exercise routine and you're only managing oh you're, you're struggling to to create that space for yourself so yeah that's a big part of it I'm- I'm so glad that you said that because it, I think Instagram is freaking killing mums. <laughs> like totally. It's the, it's, you know, and especially with exercise because there's all of these, I mean, I'm a Pilates teacher, so I guess I, my feed is filled with Pilates stuff, but there's just these perfect curated, fancy exercise routines that you see. Mm. And you know what? It doesn't have to be fancy. And it doesn't, like, the the thing the, the thing is is that if you want results you know you can just do squats and lunges and basic exercises that are actually going to do something for you you don't have to be wearing lululemon tights you don't have to be having the perfect home studio you know it doesn't have to look perfect and, mm. and you're right it's, it's, it's really I think that's March reference for you in a nutshell it's surrender and letting go of what you thought it should look like and embracing what it is Mm. and knowing that at every moment you have and this is something I teach in my course that you have the capacity to create space in your body by just simply taking a deep breath Mm. and that's the one thing I hear from so many mums is I need more space I need more space it's like you have that you have that in your body when I wake up in the morning, I go out to the front deck and I just take three deep breaths. Mm. And if that's all I manage for a meditation for the day, that's okay. Yeah, That's as simple as it can look. But it's just knowing that you have access to that. You have access to just doing a quick drop-in, breathing in and visualizing that space in your pelvis. Mm, I guess it's about just creating habits around those kind of practices. Yeah. Now I'm going to take a little bit of a diversion because we're coming to the end of our conversation and I think that we can't really talk about pelvic care without bringing up sex since that's obviously such a big part. And I know that this is like an incredibly multifaceted topic that we could go in a million different directions and probably spend another hour talking about it. 
But just to start somewhere, maybe you could share a little bit about the kinds of things that you see with your clients around this and maybe some of the work that you might do to support people. Okay, so I guess for me this really, there's a couple of things. The pelvic pain picture, low back pain, you know, that really impacts women's sex life. Mm -hmm. So getting on top of that pain and sorting that out can just open you up to that. Mm -hmm. I believe the bigger question though is, are you able to allow more pleasure into your life? Mm. Because really it's about pleasure and it's interesting working in pain because I talk a lot about pleasure in my work and they're almost a yin-yang, right? Mm. But I think it's that safety danger message and the more pleasure you can invite into your life. And when I say pleasure, I'm not just talking about sexual pleasure. That is Mm. definitely one aspect of it you know are you able to pleasure yourself can you hop out of the shower and spend a minute just massaging yourself massaging your pelvis your tummy your breasts you know and creating these little rituals of pleasure I call them micro pleasure noticing the feeling like buying clothing that feels really good like using the fabric that just feels Mm. beautiful on your body and I know this is really hard because as a mum, you just feel so unsexy and then pleasure often feels like this thing that we we don't deserve because we haven't done enough or we, we're not worthy. And so sexual pleasure and comes, I think that sexual health and sexual pleasure comes when you can start to tap into your own pleasure and what makes mm-hmm. you feel good. I think also with that whole, you know, when you're caught up in the whirlwind of of motherhood and you're busy and you're really in your head, I guess it comes back to those practices that you, you know, you've been talking about throughout, dropping into your body and actually having the time and the pause to be feminine and a woman without having to be a mother in in that moment. Yes, absolutely. Just placing your hand on your belly. And like on mm. skin, you know, skin to skin and using mantras in your mind, having thoughts or words that you can say to yourself. It's a practice and it is something. I mean, my kids are three and five, so I'm still there in it, you know, changing body, you know, I'm 41. Things are definitely different. Mm. But we have so many moments to access pleasure in our life. And I think it's about... I guess I guess when I think back to a lot of my clients who I've worked with over the years, there's something I used to notice a lot was that I would be teaching women how to connect to their lower abdominal muscles and I just noticed that there was just this complete disconnect. And I mm. even had women say to me, oh, below the belly button, I don't know what goes on down there. It's like they just are completely disconnected from what goes on below the belly button and there's all those feeds back into that shame, the shame yeah. story and past trauma and things so just being really loving with yourself and sometimes just that just simply placing your hand on your belly or even down over your yoni if Mm. that feels your your vulva if that feels good for you and that's something I do with my pelvic health I'm doing it right now (laughs) 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 Um, is to place your hand down there and feel your pelvic floor like Mm. put your fingers if this feels 
safe for you to start to explore and put your fingers, get a mirror, have a look down there. And that might feel quite confronting for you. And if that feels really unsafe, obviously don't start there. Start by just massaging your belly and breathing, mm. you know, and being starting to really get in tune with your menstrual cycle and, you know, having taking a day off and letting your blood Letting, letting yourself bleed freely, you know, not mm. always using tampons and things and just covering it up and getting on with it, like really trying to hone into what's going on down there. But when you get to that stage of nervous system safety and you feel like it's okay to, you know, to start, yeah, putting your fingers up into your vagina, feeling around, practicing your pelvic floor contractions from that place. Um, I mean, that's what pelvic floor physios do, but often mm. women are so far uh, so far away from feeling safe enough in their bodies to be there, let alone having someone else do it for them. And then, yeah, just, just working, working from mm. there. Oh, my goodness, I feel like we could talk about this for all day long. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so juicy. <laughs> yes. Um, but I will wind up the conversation there and we can leave some more good stuff for next time. But just quickly, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work and, and really take on board some of the things that you are talking about today? Beautiful. So you can find me. I'm pretty much just hang out in, on Instagram at holistic, holistic Pelvic Care. Mm-hmm. And I run a uh, five-week pelvic and low back pain program for mums. So if that's something you're interested in, obviously it's, it's very holistic and we incorporate all the incontinence and have women with prolapse and all sorts of things coming into it of all ages too. You don't have to be a new mum with a baby. You can be. Yes, I was actually, that's my other question. If you're not the new mum, I'm assuming the work is still effective. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. I've got mums with 20-year-olds in my course, so it's never too late to do this pelvic work and you know even if you're postmenopausal you stopped having a cycle even if you've had a hysterectomy you know you can still work mm. in that womb space because it's not about not having the uterus it's the it's the womb space mm. energetically so yeah and do you say so you work one-on-one with people as well yeah so I do private and I do one-on-one um, most of my work's all virtual and I do see some local clients at home in mm-hmm. the southern gold coast um, but I really love the virtual work because I feel women can feel really safe in their own home. Mm-hmm. And I know it might, a lot of people say, oh, how does it work? How can you actually do that from home? But you'll be, you'll be surprised. I find it actually really powerful <clears throat> to have that. So even, you know, when I'm doing some of the work with my clients, I'll even say to them, you, know, you have, you, you can turn the camera off if you want. And I will just talk you through yeah. what you need to do. Um, because yeah. It's at the end of the day, my intention is for you to feel safe enough to heal. Yeah, and I love that it also makes it really accessible for people that are trying to squeeze a lot in between school drop-offs and pickups and and work yeah. and and all those other things that we're we're doing in our lives. Yeah, you can do it while babies asleep or even have your kids around. You know, like it's it's that's a thing. I, I I'm just I want you to do it, do the work, so that you can heal. So you can show up however you want. <laughs> lounge room covered in toys baby steel on your on your clothes it doesn't matter just to show just need you to show up yeah awesome i love that so much thank you so much for your time today and it was just so wonderful to 
hear all your wisdoms and have a little bit of Mairi on our podcast. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been super fun. Yay. Thank you for journeying with us today. We trust you received the wisdom shared in this episode. If you felt the resonance of the conversation and think it will support other people, please subscribe, share this episode and leave a review. Importantly, before we go, we'd like to acknowledge country and the Bundjalung Nation that we are recording this podcast on. We have so much gratitude for the abundant land we live upon that nourishes and heals us, and we hold deep reverence for the First Nations people that care for our country and for the wisdom they keep. May we be open to continue to learn and grow.